1: The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black today keeps you up to
0: date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now, with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. host Scott Branson and Moe Welcome back. It is time for another edition of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast also heard on The Bet in Las Vegas. So for those of you listening over the radio, in the City of Lights, in Sin City, in Las Vegas, Nevada, in the County of Clark, welcome back, as well as our YouTube viewers uh, who are always there. Make sure you subscribe to the shows wherever you're listening to us, put on the auto downloads for your audio, and also do us a favor, make sure you give us a positive Five star review up on Apple iTunes. Yes, that would be great. We appreciate it. Scott Cobranson, your host, along with my co-host, he is the national NFL writer at Bleacher Report. His name is Mo Moton, M-O-E, M-O-T-O-N on Twitter. I am at L V Gully, the show. S N B today. All right, Mo. Back into it. We got the schedule release later today. You can check in with Mo on. Uh, Late Thursday afternoon, early evening, (laughs) East Coast on Bleacher Report on the Bleacher Report uh, live app. Mo will be there doing his live session to react to the schedule. We did find out on Wednesday, Mo, the Raiders will not be saying cheerio. They will not be heading over to (laughs) Tottenham Spur Stadium to play Buffalo as we thought they might. So they escape the the international game. Uh, but their schedule's coming out. This is always interesting because we know the teams they're playing, but as we talked about on Tuesday's show, now we'll find out what time of the year they play in cold-weather cities uh, and sort of how the, the games line up. So you can start to see patterns and at least take a look at it and say, hey, is this something uh, the Raiders can get through? Do they have a gauntlet like they had last year?
1: Right. They Also, the other thing that a lot of fans were excited about was the fact that the Raiders don't have to travel all over the world as they play through the 2023 season I believe they are 13th in miles traveled for the season so in recent years there is have been I believe top five top three yep. in, in traveling miles going cross country to the east coast going going you know other across the pond whatever the case may be this time they're in the middle of the pack which is which is I guess a fair average for them considering what they've gone through and had to be road warriors in past yep. years so that's something to be positive about. But again, we'll we'll see where the cold weather games fall. And I know that that doesn't really have a narrative as much with Derek Carr now in New Orleans, with Jimmy Garoppolo. He played in San Francisco. But still, you got a team that's playing indoors on the West Coast in 130-degree weather in August. You know, you got to wonder how they can adjust to, you know, if they have to go on the road somewhere, as we talked about in in the last show, some of these AFC East teams they may have to play. Yep. In the cold Buffalo. Oh yeah. You know, is it, is that going to be a snowstorm game? We'll find out.
0: Yes, we do know some of the teams also playing, for example, on black Friday on new year's Eve, new year's Eve is the Bengals and chiefs, which is a great, I think end of the season kind of game. Uh, and you talked about the email we all got today and I forgot who it was from bookies.com. They always send us stuff uh, about the travel. So the Raiders at 14th, 22,000 miles, the Seattle Seahawks were, are going to be the most traveled team, as you mentioned, 31,600 miles. In the division for the Raiders, the Chiefs and the Chargers, both with more um, uh, travel miles, including the Chargers at number five with 26,000 miles, 30 time zone changes uh, throughout the course of the year. The least traveled team, the Cincinnati Bengals, with only 11,942 miles. Really, I mean, that's that's half the, the amount of traveling that the Raiders have to do. So really, really interesting. Some of its geography, some of it's just the way the schedule bounces uh, in that right. circular schedule. Right. So it'll be interesting. But but it's fun to talk about. And and as again, you can catch Mo later on the Bleacher Report app live as he gives the reaction to the show. And we'll talk about it next week. But overall, we talked about it on Tuesday's show. The schedule. Uh, lines up, there's, there's, there's winnable games there. You look at them, you say, okay, this is, there's some good spots here, some good teams matchups uh, if the Raiders can, can put it together. Uh, But there's also some tough teams on there. We talked about that strength of schedule and how it might line up. So where those games are in the schedule will have a big, big tell to me on where I look at them as a four, five, six, seven win team.
1: I think if you're playing teams with new parts like the Raiders, you probably want to play teams like a new quarterback and overhaul defense. Like mm-hmm. say, maybe I think the Vikings are on the schedule at some point. You want to play those teams early in the season because there's still an the adjustment period. Now I know yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo knows Josh Bingo sister, but the Raiders are going to have a revamped defense as well. So he, those guys are going to need time to gel, maybe a month or two, who knows, depending on the players they bring in. Cause they step to adjust the linebacker position. But you don't want to play high-powered offenses early in the season if you're the Raiders with that defense. You want to play the high-powered offenses later in the season because that right. gives your defenders <clears throat> time to gel and work with each other and get to know each other and, and work with their communication. Week one to week four, it could be very choppy. So if you got the Chiefs <laughs> in the first month yeah. of the season <laughs> when they don't lose a lot of games, that could be a problem. If you got got the, the Detroit Lions whose offense was humming last year, 5th, fifth highest scoring offense in 2022 that could be a problem so we'll we'll see again it matters when you play these teams because of the changes made across the roster from the Raiders and their opponents
0: it does uh what I want to go into now Mo is I've seen a lot of and gotten a lot of messages over the last couple weeks as I said in the last show I think Raider Nation overall feeling much more positive about the draft we talked about some of those players We talked about some of the needs. I know we're going to talk. You had a great piece up on sports, not about three free agents. Was it three free agents that the Raiders uh, could Mm -hmm. sign to help them out? So we'll go over that in the second segment. But right now, I want to talk about Josh Jacobs. You know, fans love their players, and that's cool, and and you love that. And Josh Jacobs, what an easy guy to love. I mean, not only the performance he had last year, but he's a good dude. You know, when somebody's a good dude like that, does a lot of charity work, uh, a really likable guy, you want to see him do well. And so a lot of folks – are back on the, hey, Josh Jacobs needs an extension. Josh Jacobs needs an extension. Um, I tweeted out the other day about, look, it would not be a good business decision to do that right now if you look at it. In fact, you look at it, and I texted you this earlier uh, this morning about the Raiders. The Raiders are number four in running back room spending in the league, number four at a position that is devalued in the NFL as we talked about it. And and that has a lot to do with the the cap number from the tag that they put on Josh Jacobs, and if you look at what's been happening with Dalvin Cook around the league, Saquon Barkley there in New York, where you're at, uh, running backs are not getting that kind of money. I'm I'm trying to look at this from a business perspective. So so with all due respect to fans, I'm not looking at it through that lens. But, Mo, I think you look at the Raiders already at number four on the running back room. They don't want to be number one, which is the Cowboys, because they've overspent so significantly there. Uh, But if you look at that situation, um, it would not make any sense for the Raiders to extend Josh Jacobs, no matter how important he is at this point in time, and he was last year, to their offense.
1: I think it is important not to look at this as a personal decision correct it's a business it's it's, it's a business decision it's not to say that they don't value Josh Jacobs but as you just went through the names running backs just aren't getting paid and I don't think the Raiders are going to be rushing to pay their running back even though he won the Russian title in 2022 even though he was voted a team captain by his teammates and that's very important I think that's something to note when it comes down to business and and bookkeeping and, and financials of it it just doesn't make sense to pay big money for a running back especially this offseason when you see the current moving in the other way where running backs are either being released underpaid as they may say or just not being given long-term extensions like saquon barkley who also hasn't signed his franchise tax so from a business perspective it doesn't make sense but you want to see the guy get paid
0: yeah, of course you do. I mean, that's, and again, he's such a likable guy and he's a hell of a player. And so you, you think to yourself, well, simple logic would say, this guy means so much to this team. How can you not pay him what he's due? And the reality is, because I always look at it, you look at the real estate market. If I roll up on a house, it's a beautiful house. It's, it's it, it, spick and span. It's great. It's the right size. Um, the people selling it are asking 600000 and the market says it's worth 300000 would you pay 600000 just because it's a great place, it's a nice house, and your could, family could live in it? No, you're going to pay market value. So to, to your point, it's not a personal thing. Uh, it's not to say that Josh uh, doesn't matter to the offense because he does. But at this point in time, you have to make the decision and you have to say, okay, we tagged you. We gave you $10 million, right? I mean, we talked about Dalvin Cook. I think he's about 14 from an existing deal from before, which was his second contract. And then, of course, you have Derrick Henry in Tennessee, who's at 16 million or around there, as well as Ezekiel Elliott, who I know is going to be let go, and Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard makes the tag as well at 10.9 million, I believe it is, right? So, so you look at those guys, and Josh Jacobs is making what he should make at this point um, based on what the market is. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that and, and how he reacts to it. I think he'll react in a business fashion. I think he will sign his tag and he will come into camp. Of course, he'll want a deal, but I think the guy will ball out and we'll see what happens. But the Raiders have to look at so many of the others holes that they have left on this roster.
1: I have one caveat. I, I do think that he's going to take a long look at the Riz roster. And if I've said this before, if he thinks the Raiders are a four or five win team, I think he'll push harder to get that new deal not that he'll make a big stink about it but you mm-hmm. saw a pattern of guys holding in last year in the off season basically coming showing up to training camp but not participating in all the drills and not participating in all the activities there so there's a possibility that could happen if he feels like he's going to be you know a running back <clears throat> who's going to be on a losing team you don't want to be paid on a one-year guaranteed deal knowing that your team probably is going to make the playoffs without that long-term security. That's what he's pushing for is that long-term security. So it'll be interesting to see if the Raiders meet with him on a middle ground on that front.
0: Great point. All right. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, you know, Mo, we got, I got so many contacts from people who love the last shows. We started talking about free agents that were maybe still available that the Raiders could bring in because they have a hole at linebacker. They still have holes all over the place, and so we we mm-hmm. talked about that. You went off to Sports Knot for your column this week and wrote uh, top three guys that you'd like to see the Raiders or could help the Raiders. So we're going to go into that when we come back to make sure we give our listeners what they ask for. You're with Mo and Scott here on Silver and Black today at Odyssey Original Podcast. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Welcome back, Silver and Black. Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Scott Colbranson, Mo Moten with you. We are talking Raiders football. We appreciate you listening on the podcast. We appreciate you listening on the bet on the radio in Las Vegas. And we also appreciate our YouTube audience. So thank you for being with us. All good. And um, we talked last episode, Mo, about free agents that could still come in because the Raiders could not address all of their needs in one draft. It was impossible. You just don't have enough people to do it. And so you need to be able to supplement. So they have some time now before June 1st uh, to really look at some players here to make a deal if they have to make a deal. Hunter Renfro is the one that we've been talking about for months. Uh, But they also have the opportunity to perhaps pick up some talent that will help them in key positions. You wrote a piece up on SportsNOT about these guys. Walk us through. Let's start with the first guy that you think can come in as a free agent help this Raiders team at a point of need?
1: So just to flesh out the common on sports, I I've ranked the Raiders' top three needs post-draft. Linebacker, guard, and defensive end. And a lot of people saying defensive end. So with that <laughs> said, I'll start with the first name on my list is Dwayne Smith. And I say defensive end because we have to remember, even though the Raiders drafted Tyree Wilson first at number seven, He's not going to be available the earliest until training camp. Those were his words. He said he'll be ready at training camp. So he's going to miss rookie minicamp. He's going to miss OTAs. and As I said, that's the earliest. Who knows how, you know, how far along he will be in his recovery once training camp rolls around. We'll see because I did say you know, there were some whispers that he may need a second surgery. I'm not saying he will need a second surgery, but teams were afraid to draft him high possibly because of that possibility that he may have to undergo another procedure. But I'll say this: Dwayne Smoot is my first guy on the list. I think he can be a third edge rusher on that defensive line behind Chandler Jones and Max Crosby while Tyree Wilson recovers from his foot injury. Uh Dwayne Smoot had at least five sacks and at least five tackles for loss in each of the last four seasons with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not a big name, but he is productive and he can stay on the field for all three downs. He can he can rush the pass as I just said with the sack production and he also gets into the opponent's backfield. So I think he can immediately be that guy while your rookie heals up and recovers. The other guy on the screen you'll see... Well, Mo, before
0: before you move on, though, I I think your point and the point you made in the piece was he's not necessarily a starter, Smoot. He's a guy who can come in in in, in a rotation uh, and be a backup role, but you need that. That's the thing, too, is people forget about... Teams that win these championships, teams like Philadelphia, they they they're able to do it because they have the depth. You you yes, you need the starter, but you also need guys behind, especially on the defensive front where you need to cycle guys in and out.
1: The main point I wanted to make too is that let's not expect Tyree Wilson to, to come firing out of the box because <clears throat> yeah. remember he's not he's not gonna be active until training camp the earliest. So you're gonna need someone to be that third edge rusher in the meantime. Mm-hmm.
0: No doubt. All right, so now we go to your next free agent that could address a need, and that, of course, is on the offensive line.
1: And I think it's surprising to me that Dalt Risner is still available because I thought he was a solid guard with the Denver Broncos, and the Raiders have, obviously, a need at guard. They didn't draft an offensive lineman <laughs> at all with their with their picks. I uh, know they, they had a high grade on Antoine Harrison, but he was a tackle. So there was no talk of maybe... Upgrading on the interior. I know they have Dylan Parr on there. It's the third rounder from last year. I know they resigned Nate Moothie. I know they um they have Alex Bars who they also resigned, but Alex Bars gave up the second most pressures on the Raiders last year at 38. Mm. They they needed to upgrade that position. I think Dalton Risner could be that guy. Moothie only has four career starts in three seasons with the Denver Broncos. The Raiders should get up go out and get another former Denver Bronco in Dalton Risner because I again I believe he's an upgrade over the two guys that they have alongside dylan parham he can show up that that area of the of the line and my theory is you plug in Dalton risner at left guard and you move dylan parm over to right guard dylan parm had a couple of spot starts at right guard last year played well the position he spent his entire last year at memphis at right guard so this isn't a player moving to a position he's not familiar with he's played this role before and i think he can actually be a better right guard Than a left guard, so it it fits for me because Dalton Risner has sixty-two starts all at left guard. All at left. So you have Dalton Risner, you have Andre James at center, and Dylan Parham at right guard.
0: Yeah, that would work out nicely. Now the other issue uh, is linebacker, but we've talked about this. In fact, late breaking news is our producer Mm -hmm. David Stepanian is going to walk on and play linebacker for the Raiders because they have nobody there. So he figures, why not? Uh, But but you have a name, a one that I like actually. It's a name people know, uh, and it might not, you know, bring a level of excitement where they go out and buy a jersey if this guy signed. uh, But this would be a nice pickup. Tell them about your linebacker selection.
1: Not a lot of talk about Quan Alexander as an option for the Reds at linebacker, and I think he needs to be talked about a lot more. He was right in my backyard playing for the Jets last year, and Jets fans, let me tell you, they loved him because he stepped up, he brought some fire, he brought some energy to that linebacker core hasn't allowed a touchdown in two years. Now, I know he had some injury issues early in his career. He played every game last year for the Jets, started in 12 games. If you put Quan Alexander in the middle of that Raiders defense, it's automatically a better group, and I think he can give the Raiders a lot on every down, not just as a run stopper, but also in coverage. As I said, hasn't allowed a touchdown in coverage in two years.
0: Yeah, and I I see a lot of folks uh, talking about that linebacker position and what the Raiders need to do, and I think that you look at a name like Quan Alexander, it makes so much sense that you don't understand why it doesn't happen. Now, there's all kinds of reasons. You don't know what he's asking for. You don't know uh, what the regime thinks of him and scheme fit and all that stuff. It seems like it would be a nice fit, but it's definitely something different where I think that they have to figure out who they want to bring in. And they're going to have to go. get. Some. I just can't imagine. I know we said the same thing about the offensive line last year. They did bring in bodies, though. And I think at linebacker, you have to. You have none.
1: Right. Shout out to the unfiltered troop. I was on with Phil Robinson and Phil Jones. And I said, there's no way the Raiders roll into week one with Robert Spillane and Divine (laughs) Diablo as their top two linebackers. In that same column where I made the case that the Raiders should sign Quan Alexander, I threw out some stats for Divine Diablo, Luke Masterson, and even uh, Robert Spillane. All three of those guys allowed a pass ring of above 102 in coverage. Yes. For for the for the people out there who don't know about passer rating allowed in coverage, it's out of 158.3, so anything over 100 is pretty yeah. bad. And you so the Raiders your, need a linebacker. Have,
0: in fact, you have in your piece, cuz somebody I saw tweeted at you this week about, were well, you down on Diablo?" Yeah, 123.6 passer rating. Like Right. And I, I think
1: I think I think a lot of fans don't see that part of it because they're not digging deep some of them. Are not right. digging deep into the numbers. You have to dig to find some of these numbers, obviously. Yeah. But if you just look at the numbers and the film, you will see that the Raiders have a gaping hole, not just for a linebacker, but a linebacker who can cover the middle of the field in zone coverage. They don't have that right now. Now, Devon Diablo has the, the potential to be that, but he hasn't shown it yet. So why mm-hmm. not bring in a guy who's done it before and who's already proven that he could fill that role?
0: Yeah, and the thought process to, well, the, the defensive front's going to be so much better. We can be worse at line doesn't matter. Like you still have to have the position there. We talked about Isaiah Simmons. We don't think, I don't think St. Louis or St. I Louis. Think, uh, yeah. I don't think Arizona, Arizona. I can't believe I call them the St. Louis Cardinals. Holy moly. I was like a little kid when that happened. Um, so, so you see that. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. So, so they have to look at realistic names and you're right. I think you'll start to see it. And again, we're going into this time frame in late May. We're going to have mini camp. This weekend, obviously, with the rookies out in Henderson. Uh, and then we have OTAs uh, coming up as well. And that's kind of it. So, so there's time for them to do it. They don't really need to do anything uh, before June 1. They could. Uh, but certainly, I think they're going to address it before they get. They got to get some bodies in before they get to camp. Uh, anybody else? Molly? I know you had the three in there, too. But we talked about a couple other guys on the defensive front in the middle as well, even though they drafted there. Uh, Anybody else to keep an eye on that seems to be a really good fit with the Raiders.
1: As far as a system fit, former Patriots that may come along. I mentioned him in the piece, Kyle Van Noy, not much of a cover guy at this stage in his career, but he does everything else pretty well. Uh, Obviously he, he's a plug and play type of player. He was productive with the chargers. Again, you probably have to take him off the field in second on third down on passing downs, which is not what you really want. But if you're talking about specifically, uh, (laughs) culture system fit per se i could see them bringing in kava i know he's also a a reno nevada native so there's that added (laughs) nugget to it
0: (laughs) that is true uh he went to the wrong university in nevada as well so there you go no just kidding (laughs) um so yeah so that 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 ties it up make sure you check out most piece up on sportsnot.com go visit it there as well and spread it Let, let give it to people Make sure you share it as much as you can. All right. We're up against our second break. When we come back, we're going to close out the show. We're going to take some of your mail, which we do on this edition of the show every week. We'll do that as well. You're listening to Mo and Scott. This is Silver and Black Today, in Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. It is time for that home stretch here on Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast covering... The Las Vegas Raiders, your guides on this path, this audio or video path, depending where you are, Mr. Mo Moten, National NFL Writer at Bleacher Report. Follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O. And you can also catch him later today if you're listening on Thursday on the Bleacher Report Live schedule reaction. So if you're listening to us on the radio on Sunday, sorry, you missed it, but you can go catch it somewhere. I'm sure you can find it on the Bleacher Report. Uh, Or just go to Mo's timeline and you can find it there. You'll have it
1: linked up there. I'm always promoting myself on the timeline, so you'll find
0: Yes, it. And, and of course, when he gets on the Bleacher Report app, he becomes his alter ego. Hey,
1: <laughs> it's Midtown
0: we haven't played that in a while, so I had to... Had to can't see our there.
1: producer, David, but he's jamming backstage to this. He to is the intro. jamming
0: backstage. He is. He is. I don't know why he's taking his pants off, but that's a different story. So, all right. <laughs> He's not. I'm just kidding because you guys can't see him and we can see him. Uh, all right. So we are back. We are talking Raiders football. Uh, Mo, you know, this whole schedule thing, it's such a big deal now. Like it's 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 all the NFL because our insatiable appetite for professional football in this country. And I'm not talking about the little round ball. They 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 take everything and make a huge production. We just saw the draft. In Kansas City, where Motley Crue's playing on stage, they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, 300,000 people there, 300,000 people in Las Vegas last year, the whole deal going on. Uh, they even market this. This just You have to respect what the NFL's able to take things that are so mundane and ridiculous and make them things that were just like Pavlov's dog waiting to devour.
1: And the other thing is that when the NFL releases the schedule, the team... Uh... Twitter accounts usually yeah. do some type of creative stuff with the schedule, which is pretty cool. That, gets, that draws some fanfare. The Raiders haven't really done anything special with their schedule, at least. But we'll see what they have cooked up this year. Hopefully they, they spice it up a little bit. But the Carolina Panthers is one of the best social media teams out there when they release the schedule that they do with their schedule.
0: So there is yeah. part
1: of that, and the teams play along with it. And it, it, it makes it a fun event, as you said. But kudos <laughs> to the NFL for making some things that we kind of already know. Special because again, remember, this is the time that fans get to plan what games they want to go to, and that's why the schedule release is important.
0: It's huge, and um, it also allows um, Nimrods like us in the media (laughs) to sit there and start to make record projections, right? We can start to say, Oh, they're going to be six and ten, or they're going to be six and eleven, or whatever they're going to be. So, yes, it helps all of us in that way, but it really is remarkable. And again, I I still think the NFL is like the mafia. But I also respect what they do with the marketing. The marketing is unbelievable, and I'll tell you why. Because no matter what anyone tells any other sport, baseball is the absolute worst at it. I will say that up front, even though I love baseball. They're terrible. Major League Baseball is the worst marketing operation ever. They do some things well, but not a lot of things. You look at the NFL. They understand that it is entertainment, okay? Now, don't start tweeting at me that it's scripted and all that crap. But anyway... It's entertainment, so it's like a Hollywood production. It's like a big movie release. It's like a big TV show release, uh, whatever it may be, and that's how they treat it. You would think the NBA, you would think Major League Baseball, you would think the NHL would learn from the NFL and try to take some of it, but they don't seem to do it, so you have to give credit to that, and the teams are involved with that, but the idea of, of, of marketing it like an entertainment property and keeping it top of mind in may is a big deal and hey hats off to him
1: and they purposely leaked some of the games out just so that people get it's kind of wets your appetite for the, sure. for the main course right so we already know who's playing in london who's going to germany you know some of the marquee matchups it gets people ready for the big event
0: i am disappointed that the rate i know fans were happy that they're not going to london i wanted to go to london because i wanted i wanted to take mo to london and and just wheel them around there and have some fun we were going to have you know we would be able to get there and do our show again like we did a couple years ago uh
1: because Tell you, had- Scott, you were trying to get me hitched in london right make oh, this yeah. like a hangover type of get movie some, sequel uh,
0: see here's the here's the, the we did a, a special commemoration poster when we were there last time right when they played mm-hmm. the bears uh and so we we would love to do that again and get mo out mm-hmm. there and get him outside the the, four, uh, the five boroughs, excuse me. I, th- I almost said four boroughs. It's five.
1: You could say four because that now doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: so funny. Unless your last name ends in a vowel, and then yeah. it does matter. Uh, but anyway, th- those of you who know New York know what we're talking about. Uh, so anyway, yeah, it's uh, interesting stuff. Okay, Mo, let's get to some mail here, all right? We have some mail from last week since we didn't do a show on the tail end of the week I uh, have a couple that we'll get to here uh, on this uh, Thursday or Sunday, however you're listening to us. This comes from Anders uh, Pers, who's written in before. He says, hey, I'm not a half empty when it comes to Raiders decisions. I'm three drops at the bottom of the glass. <laughs> Interesting. Not First half empty. Three, three drops. Of, I like that. I've never, that. I've never heard that
1: one. I've never heard that one either. You three go.
0: drops at the bottom of the glass. What scares me about these picks <laughs> He's going back to the draft, of course, is uh, they are fits for McDaniel systems, but not for anyone else's. I disagree, but we'll get there in a second. McDaniels couldn't work with almost any of the players he inherited. And it seems hard to not be successful with Renfro and Waller. Uh, Then when McDaniels inevitably loses the locker room and gets fired, the new coach is stuck with a bunch of Patriots type players. And almost none of these types have seen success outside of New England with Brady and Gronk being the exception. Should I be worried? That's Anders. So, we got to pick that apart. There's a couple points in there. Let's start first with these picks being Fitz and McDaniel's system and they couldn't play anywhere else. I don't agree I, with that. I would,
1: I, w- I would disagree. I would slightly push back on that. I, I think Michael Mayer, I think a bunch of teams would take Michael Mayer and he'd be yeah. productive in their system. I think a lot of teams would love Tyree Wilson's versatility. I think teams would even take Byron Young, just probably would take him at later rounds. because I think he does have some pass rushing upside. Chris Smith, Ja'Cory and Bennett, I think those guys can play on uh, on different teams and be fine. But I, what mm-hmm. I will say is that to the emailer, his, his uh, I should say his worry, his concern, is a lot of Raider fans' concerned that yeah. bringing all these guys who are specifically fits for McDaniels, and McDaniels hasn't proven much yet, what if he's out the door and then we're, we're doing this whole cycle again of, having to rebuild a roster that was specifically built for mcdaniel's in the patriot way
0: well i think i think um outside of a major disaster and i mean a major disaster being like two or three win season right to me that would be even with this roster would be unthinkable but maybe you never know um then outside of that i think mark davis is committed i don't think josh Mm -hmm. mcdaniel's Even if he finishes under 500 by several games, I don't think he's going to lose his job. So you're at least in, I don't think that's going to happen. Now, his second point was he wasn't successful with players he inherited like Renfro and Waller. Those guys weren't on the field. So I don't know how, listen, you can't, I understand what he's getting at there. And to your point, and I, I agree with him, he had a good offense last year, even with those guys out. And they struggled, right? Play calling was inconsistent, especially early in the season. We criticized him heavily on this show for that. So I get that point, and I don't disagree, but I just think the, the examples are wrong because both those guys uh, were injured uh, and and both likely will be gone uh, by the time June 1st rolls around. One is, one maybe. Um, then when he says he loses the locker room, you're stuck with these players, that's a great point. And there have been players that have been – He uses Gronk and Brady as the only two New England players that went away from them and were successful. That's not true. I'm not saying that they were all pros, major star, top 10 guys, but lots of guys went through the New England system, went to other
1: places, and succeeded. Shaq Mason just got an extension, the guard from the Patriots. Just went elsewhere. He got an extension, uh, got let go by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I believe he's with Houston, Texas now. They just gave him a three-year extension. So. There, there are some examples of players who've gone elsewhere and been successful. and That's why I push back on that point. But to the email's point, I will say that he mentioned Waller and Renfro. Yeah, and I think he's, I think he has a good point there because let's remember the Raiders gave Waller and Renfro extensions. They did after they gave him extension. They, they, then but they didn't play. Waller. They were hurt. Right, but they did. Tr- they did trade Waller, so it's not yes. even if even though they didn't play. They decided that it was time to move on from one and it wasn't going to work regardless whether he was on the field or not. And as we see the Raiders construct their roster, they're pushing Renfro out of the door. They signed Jacoby Myers, who plays in the slot. They signed DeAndre Carter, who plays in the slot. They drafted Trey Tucker, who plays in the slot. It's clear to see the writing on the wall for Renfro and they're going to move on from him. So my question would be what happened within a year that you gave these guys an extension and now you're pushing them out the door. I yeah. think that's the point that Emo was trying to make, and I agree with that
0: point. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's a tough one to, to, to disagree with. I, I, we talked about it tail end of last year a lot, didn't we? And, mm-hmm. I, and so, so I don't disagree with him there at all, and we'll have to see how it all nets out. I, again, I agree with Raider Nation's skepticism with the coach until he proves everybody wrong. Yeah, I'm I am skeptical. too. <laughs> you have to be. How could you not be after what you saw last yeah. year? Right. There's there's just no way. I mean, especially with the offensive team, you understand the defense. They had no talent, but on offense, they did. And they still screwed the mm-hmm. pooch. So to me, I get it. And I'm there with them. I'm, I'm holding hands, singing kumbaya, saying, yeah, I agree. <laughs> and we go from there. All right. Anders, thank you so much for your email. Mm-hmm. We move on to our next email. That is from Dennis in Las Vegas. He says, hey, guys, realistically, no BS. He spelled it out, but I'm just I'm shortening it for the family audience. Um, no BS. How many games does Jimmy Garoppolo play for the Raiders in 2023? Thanks. Love listening to the show. Dennis in Las Vegas. I'm gonna say he's going to play 12.
1: Den- I'm, I'm a little more pessimistic on, on Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna say he plays 10. Ah. I'm just I've been because I've been on I've been talking about this for months, and this is the very reason why. I didn't want the Raiders to sign Jimmy Garoppolo, but the contract fits with his injury history. But I will say based on what I've seen with the San Francisco 49 and his availability, mm-hmm. I think, I think 10 games, you have to feel good about that simple because Jimmy Garoppolo isn't the most mobile quarterback. Can he move? Yeah. But if the offensive line isn't protecting him and he gets hit, hold your breath because he may not get off. The field. <laughs> and I, and I just feel like 10 games, if you get 10 games out of Jimmy G. It's a positive thing. I think it's the reason why the Raiders moved up and drafted Aiden O'Connell. I would have picked a different quarterback, a more mobile quarterback, but the Raiders understand how important the backup quarterback position is because of Jimmy Garoppolo's injury history. So I'll say 10 games.
0: Wow. That's just, I mean, I know there's 17 games, so it's not exactly half, but that's just over half. 18
1: missed games in the last three seasons, Scott.
0: Yeah, that would mean that this (laughs) this team, I I just believe, I mean, Brian Hoyer or not, or Aiden O'Connell or not, That to me, if that happens, this team would struggle to win six games. I mean, I I I haven't seen the schedule yet, but that's you know what I'm saying? It it would struggle to win six. I would be more in the four to five range if that happens, just based on the schedule, but maybe I'm
1: wrong. We'll see. Now, I want to say, I hope Jimmy G plays every game. I'm you're, not. I'm not hoping oh, no. for an injury here. But if you're asking, like, if you I gotta go with your data games he's going to play, I would say ten. Simply, simply because of the, he, he just seems like he's nicked up every year. <laughs> I know that he went to the Super Bowl that year with the San Francisco 49ers losing to the Chiefs. I get it. But in those other years, it's just if he's if he's not missing a full game, he's on the sideline. He has a knee. He has an ankle. He tore his ACL in recent years. Yeah, there's just for a a quarterback who does, who's not overly athletic. Not, yeah. a, not an uber athlete it's worrisome that he has that injury history
0: you know what it is they're dating injuries
1: you mean to say he you know he's doing too much of uh he's, not swiping he's, on twitter he's,
0: he's he's a good looking guy he's getting around you know he probably needs to save it for game day
1: <laughs> lock him up for the season oh, Say, yeah. look jimmy you do all oh, your yeah. dating prospect things in the off seasons lock into the playbook <laughs> From September to January.
0: <laughs> Too much. All right. So uh, Dennis in Las Vegas, thank you again for your email. Mo, before we get out of here uh, on this show, this edition of Silver and Black today, um, we talked last about Henry Ruggs was uh, rumored to be getting ready to do a plea deal in his vehicular manslaughter uh, case. Uh, on Wednesday, he did go in. He pleaded guilty to the one count of DUI resulting in a death and one count of miscarriage Demeanor, vehicular manslaughter. He will get between. He will spend time in prison. So I know we talked about justice and all that stuff for Tina Tintor's family um, and 23-year-old woman who lost her life because of his negligence. Uh, he's going to spend at least three years in jail, at the very minimum, up to ten. Um, my guess is based on what's happened, unless. The judge wants to make uh, some example out of him. My guess is he's going to probably get between three and five and probably be out within three. But certainly um, it's it's finalized now, and they just have to do uh, the gavel swing and the actual sentence. And then Henry Ruggs third will become a prisoner in the state of Nevada penitentiary system.
1: You say three to five, and if you say that to people out in the Twitterverse, they'll say that's not enough. Oh, I know. But- the man took someone's life, Mm -hmm. whether it was, you know, whether the intent was there or not. And it wasn't, he, you know, he made a a grave mistake, but they would say, they would say the penalty for taking someone's life should be more than three to five years.
0: Yes. But what's interesting about that is the reason why it's three to 10. And, and, and this is where you don't see it in the headline, but the plea agreement now, remember um, Henry Ruggs has a great attorney. Uh, David Chesnoff. He's a criminal attorney well-known in Las Vegas, the best there is in Las Vegas. He's a, he's The people he's represented re, reads like a Hollywood who's who's list, right? Um, that plea agreement is because the DA and the police department in Las Vegas, there is some question about his blood test and the veracity of it. So because of that, the district attorney, Dave, Steve Wolfson, said, hey, listen, he said, quote, I recognize this outcome is not sufficient to punish Ruggs for the loss the Tintor family has suffered, but there was a legitimate concern that a court would have suppressed the result of the blood draw. He would have lost the felony DUI charge. We couldn't take that chance. The resolution sends Ruggs to prison for up to 10 years on a felony DUI conviction and brings closure to the Tintor family. So that is, there you go. The, the, the That charge might have been thrown out because of the blood test veracity. And what would have happened then is he wouldn't have gotten a felony charge. So in some ways, two things. Number one is that's how the court system works. For a lot of people who don't have experience with it, sometimes you make deals because there are, there are holes in the case. No matter how black and white it may seem sometimes, it's not. And secondarily, um, you gotta also respect Henry Ruggs Jr. for knowing, hey, I'm gonna take my punishment as much as it can be, I'm going to get it lighter than I would have any other way uh, instead of fighting it, which he very well could have because he had he had that opportunity to to raise the question over the blood test.
1: I think in a way he probably wants to put this behind him. Sure. And and, and just look, I, I'll take the, the plea deal, you know, pay my debt to society, come out a better person. At least that's what you hope his mindset is.
0: Yeah, he's got a lot of work to do there, right? After he serves his sentence, he's got to get out and do something with his life that uh, honors Tina Tintor's memory and 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 does the most he can to to rebuild himself and to rebuild uh, her family and all of that. So so we'll see how that all works out. But at least it's a done deal now, and he can get on with doing it. And and you're right, justice is tough sometimes, man. It's not always. Uh, you know, uh, 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 I, one for one when it comes to the, the crime you committed and what happened and the punishment you get. Uh, but that sometimes is the deal. And um, clearly, the the Clark County District Attorney saying that uh, kind of at least laid it out for people so they can understand.
1: Yeah. And, and you mentioned it. You also have to understand this is a, a for, now former football player who knows what he does after he's out, mm-hmm. but he has the money to to pay some of the best representation and i think that's that's the other thing that people get upset about is that when you don't have the money for representation sometimes guilty innocent or doing time or doing less time is a matter of how much money you have to pay your representation because when you have the money to pay someone you can get off for a lot less than you would have
0: with lesser
1: representation or somebody with a lesser reputation i should say
0: Yes, and it and it really does uh, for those any of anybody out there who has any experience with the with the with the court system and the 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 uh, justice system in this country. It's you know in America we say equal justice for all. Well, guess what? <laughs> I couldn't afford so. David Chesnoff if I did something like this. <laughs> and so, guess what? I would have gotten a lot more than ten years. So, exactly. so to your point, uh, and this happens every day in every courtroom uh, for even small crimes. So it's 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 a great point, Mo. I appreciate it. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the show. Yes, we're out of here. We're going to be back next week. Mo, let people know what you got coming up. We obviously know today, your schedule review tonight on Bleacher Report Live. What else is coming out from the Mo Moten machine?
1: I'm going to dig into the undrafted free agents. I think it was uh, Gary Harkin Reader that gave us some homework a few weeks ago. We yes. never really got back to him on that. So I I did the research. I'm going to do some digging. I'm going to release the column on sportsnot telling you which undrafted free agents I think have the best chance of making the final 50-man roster.
0: Well, there you go. And we'll we'll talk about that on Tuesday's show. So we'll come back and we'll get into Mo's column as well as go over the schedule. You can watch that today, <laughs> later again, tonight with Mo on Bleacher Report Live. But we will go over the full schedule and give you our first take on it uh, here on Silver and Black Today on Tuesday. All right, my man, have fun tonight and we will see you next week.
1: Please play, pray for my Knicks. They're, they're <laughs> hanging on by Fred. Please pray for them.
0: There you go. Same with my <laughs> Golden Knights. So you're doing basketball, <laughs> I'm doing hockey. And I have to stay. see, at least your team plays in New York. Mine's on the West Coast and I got to stay up all night to watch the freaking game. So that's what happens when you're in the Eastern Time. Zone. So. But anyway, Mo, take care, my friend. Yeah, you too. All right. For our producer, David Stepanian. For Mo I am Scott Cobranson. This has been Silver and Black Today. Don't forget, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your audio. Thanks to those folks on YouTube for watching. Make sure you subscribe and hit the notifications bell. And a hearty goodbye to our audience on The Bet in Las Vegas, an audio radio station, Odyssey radio station, I should say. Uh, We will talk to you guys on Tuesday. Take care and have a great weekend.